Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell. You know, comedy is sometimes defined as a scientific tool to numerically investigate complex network dynamics. No, that doesn't sound right. That's not comedy, that's conedy. Well, at least we have this podcast in which I can ask the people who create comedy what it means to them. You can find out more about my journey in comedy fandom on my website, thecomedynerd.com. I love talking to the people in comedy about comedy. If you'd like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. Thank you. My guests this episode are a comedy duo whose 2022 Edinburgh debut, Hair, was one of that year's hits, in which they joked about being mistaken for teenage boys. In 2023, they brought their second show, Teenage Men, as well as a new kids show, both of which were excellent. You can see their debut Hair across TV channels, ITVX, Amazon Prime and so on, and you can see the new show, Teenage Men, as well as their kids show, both of which are on tour in 2024. Rachel and Ruby, a comedy duo, Shelf. Now, I know you are lifelong friends, if not certainly long-term, but I don't know when your friendship began. So how did you come together? How much did comedy play in that? And how did you realise that uh, you were going to go into comedy as a duo? Um, So basically, we've been friends since we were like 10 years old. Um, Our families grew up across the street from each other. And our mums, did our parents, both our parents know each other? My parents knew your mum. And I think they, yeah, so they all knew each other. Um, for some reason, they didn't bring us in for a while, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they'd known each other, and then Ruby's a year younger than me, and Ruby was starting at the secondary school that I was already at, and my mum was basically like, "Oh, could you walk like Deirdre's daughter to school um, on this day?" Blah blah blah, and I was like, "Yeah, of course, sure, like absolutely." Terrified young year seven, I'm more than happy to help out. <laughs> And then went over to Ruby's flat to to wait for them outside the door. And then Ruby came out and it became clear that Ruby did not know I was meant to be meeting them. Already had friends with whom they were walking to school, walked straight past me and just went to school. And I just sort of walked behind them like I was kind of like a little bodyguard. Or yeah, I mean, to, like I didn't know about this to the extent that I didn't know that was the story of how we met <laughs> until like, a few years ago. <laughs> um, I thought we just sort of like hit it off and started skateboarding together a bit later. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So then I think eventually there must have been one day where Ruby wasn't walking home with a absolute pack of friends, um, and so then we ended up like chatting and then found out that we were both like skateboarding which was like the first before comedy we were <laughs> skaters yeah I think we probably <laughs> chose the right one to monetize there but <laughs> I just yeah I could never have been I, was, I had too much fear um but yeah so we used to skate together um and it very similar I think in the way that we do comedy now that like you'd head down to the skate park and all the other skateboarders would be there on their own to skate to do skate stuff and then me and Ruby would come down like hey we're here together <laughs> We're gonna do some skateboarding too, um, and yeah, and that's basically how the how the friendship began. Yeah, how did comedy begin to manifest itself, and how did that become a a thing for you? I guess like I mean, we always made each other laugh, and I feel like we had like in friendship groups and stuff. I feel like we had quite a similar dynamic to what we do on stage. Like that is just kind of how we behaved <laughs> in like group situations <laughs> and stuff. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until we were. Uh, like finishing uni I guess um because Rachel was doing some comedy stuff at university and Mm. I went to see them um and yeah sort of to think that 
it could be really fun to try together. <laughs> Ruby said that in such a nice way. Well, actually, <laughs> Ruby came to see my uni sketch group perform at Edinburgh, saw the show and was like, that was shit but you're actually really funny. Um, we should try. And then we basically, we saw while Ruby was up, we saw like the pin and lazy Susan and beard. Yeah. And just basically just, it was a time of like where double acts were like a real thing. And there were loads of them at going and like, they were like really like well sort of regarded and like had huge followings and we saw all of them. Hmm. And then Ruby was like, yeah, the sketch group shit, but I think we could do some really funny stuff as a double act. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then I think because our friendship has always been based on like having a shared motive or task, whether that's like skateboarding or whatever. And we've always, both of us wanted to do something like writing, something creative and like doing comedy together felt like a really good outlet for that. Yeah. So then we just, yeah, started trying to do, do double act stuff basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I feel like I don't really know many other friends like that who sort of met and then were like, "Well, we need a job." Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think mine and Ruby's personalities are so opposite. <laughs> it's the only way our friendship can function. Like, it's like almost like a a necessity for us. Because <laughs> if you just had us on like a night out, like I would just drive Ruby up the wall too quickly. Like, it would just be like, "This is not functional." Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, common enemy. That's how we work. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I I was going to ask you about your dynamic. You say about how you behave on stage is different. But how much of it is as uh, characters? How much are you playing a different Rachel and Ruby to the real versions? Yeah, I think it's it's changed as we've done it as well. Like I think in the beginning, we obviously we were doing sketches because that's what Double Axe did. So we were doing sketch comedy. And so there was far more acting in that. And that was far more like characterized, I'd say of like, maybe more of me being more of an idiot and, and like, and like more ridiculous things that we were saying and stuff was more made up. And then it's become more and more real. And I think it's still heightened, but I'd say now the, the characters we play on stage are like, or like the way we present ourselves on stage is I think very close to who we actually are, I would say. Yeah, you definitely. Know. Yeah, completely. Like every year, I think it's gotten like closer and closer to us being actual real people when we're on stage. <laughs> when you decided to start out as a duo, how did you decide, you know, what sort of thing you were going to do, what you wanted to talk about, the the name of the of the duo? We um we were like trying to come up with something and we basically ended up naming all the objects in the room we were in, right? Yep. We were just in Ruby's room and we were just saying stuff. Because basically all the comedy acts that we loved, the double acts that we loved, like who I mentioned, like Beard and The Pin, um, were just one one word. Like they were just like a thing. So we were like, that's how you do it. And we were like, shelf. We were nearly sticks. Yeah, because we were at a park before we got to <laughs> <laughs> just a little yeah it felt it didn't feel like it quite had our like wholesomeness mm. where it felt, <laughs> felt like, it was like that makes sense and it's an anagram of flesh and that felt important yeah our halloween alter ego yeah. <laughs> um i guess i guess at the start it was we were doing sketches mm. so it was just and we'd both done university sketch comedy so we kind of had a little bit of that experience of like writing funny concepts or ideas I think particularly for me all of my sketches quite often like the stuff I wanted to talk about or write about 
was much more close to my real life or like story, like sketches I'd write would be characters I'd met in life and like and then me and Ruby started to move into doing sketches about ourselves and about our friendship mm. and when we started doing that and we suddenly started doing like this sketch it was like the last time Rachel did this with suddenly they had far more appeal than when they were just like wouldn't it be crazy if a train met a goose like <laughs> so suddenly when we started actually making them about ourselves and our friendship and like representative of that that's it just got really good responses and mm. like we much preferred doing it and like I think like especially for me like I'm not really a very good actor so I couldn't really play it like Ruby's very good at playing a character so now we do kids sketch comedy hmm. and when we do sketches for children Ruby like the running joke is that Ruby always plays a character and I'm always playing me <laughs> and it is just that I, I can't really I don't I'm not really I don't really have that skill set so I think as we continued doing sketches we were like oh hey this is certainly what we're sort of it's what people are responding more to. And also I think especially for me, it was like, oh, this is what I'm better at. So we started to veer more into just doing, which we didn't, you didn't see many sketch groups doing. Like most people's sketches were like a flight of fancy to show off my acting skills. <laughs> Whereas ours were a bit more like, this explores my emotional relationship to crying and how <laughs> Ruby struggles to deal with that. So it's just that sort of like change that we started to move into. Yeah. yeah, and I think I also noticed, like, even when we first were doing sketches and stuff, um, some of what I enjoyed the most was, like, the bits that we would write in between the sketches, um, which I think were sort of, like, the little patter links where mm. we would, like, set up. And like, basically it was stand-up, but it was, like, hyper-scripted when we first started. <laughs> but as that got more natural, I was like, like, yeah, I really liked those bits where I guess we were just being more ourselves. Mm. It was yeah. stand-up. <laughs> yeah which has kind of taken us into where we are now which is like more of like a traditional double act but I think it took us so long because you don't really see traditional double acts anymore and like there mm. weren't any when we were in Edinburgh that year we just saw sketch double acts so we were just like and sketch was what you know we'd sort of done mm. as people who loathe to be alone you don't really tend to <laughs> try stand up in that context um so like yeah, so then we've come, I think we've come round now to, you know, we do some songs and stuff. We've come into doing, I think, what is quite a traditional double act shtick, but obviously not that traditional because we're queer and non-binary and there's more stuff going on. But like it's it, but it, it took us that long to get there because we just hadn't really seen it or hmm. yeah, engaged with it. Um, like I'm still not sure who Morecambe and Wise is and that's not good. That's for me. <laughs> no, no. Cut that bit out, erase that bit. <laughs> that that's the trailer. <laughs> Scandal. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that again a, a very interesting point because you're two young people talking about modern themes, and yet you've mentioned the word traditional a few times in in that. So, do you in some sense take inspiration from those traditional double lights, or are you just more aware that those things aren't so prevalent now? I mean, I guess that like it was probably in our minds at first or at least maybe in mine because I mean like I did grow up watching like Morkham and Wise or like um French and Saunders and stuff like that mm. um but I feel like the main like reference point from them for me and probably why we started doing comedy the way we did was just that I was like when there's two of you you need to do 
a little something like mm. you know you can't just go talk you need to like do your little sketch or like perhaps perform a musical number um and so I think in my head that was the like link to tradition at first where I was like oh that's just how it works but then yeah I guess we have kind of come full circle around to like an even older kind of double act which is that like yeah that the sort of like presenter I almost I don't really know how else to describe them but the like, music hall kind of double acts where they are like there is a lot more of um the individuals on stage mm. like more common wise and stuff like that whoever they may be yeah who's <laughs> <laughs> well yes like in the dynamic between you on stage is amazing for one thing obviously from your long-standing friendship but a lot of the comedians that I see, I, I re- appreciate that little bit more when they have their own joy on the stage, if they, they're happy about what they're doing and it, it comes across. Are you mindful about how much you enjoy being in other, each other's company and how much what you're doing is essentially messing about? Yeah, 100%. I think we said when we started, because I think because ultimately like we both started doing it because we wanted to write like we both wanted to be writers ultimately and and write stuff whatever that might be Mm. and then like and then comedy was the easiest way into that because you wrote something you put it on the stage you got a response immediately and then but then the performing aspect we were both like well if it stops being fun so it was a bit like gambling when the fun stops stop was very much like approach like in the early days it was like especially because like you know it would put our friendship on the line as well like if it didn't work out and like we've been through a lot of sort of like ups and downs in terms of like how we work together and how we navigate maintaining the friendship alongside the working relationship Mm. but I think we always were very aware that like if it wasn't worth it if it wasn't fun and it wasn't worth it there was no point in continuing to do it and I mean that's what basically happened with doing sketches is we found that we were growing to like hate having to go on stage after all of these cool stand-ups who just stood on stage and talked and then we had to come on stage with like some props and be like hello everybody look at this silly like and it just was like oh I'm not like enjoying I'm not like excited to do that anymore and it's how we work out whether material is right or not is it's like are you excited to tell an audience this and it's really like I think especially in our like our show now teenage men like there's this really it's the fun thing of like I'm excited to say things that are outrageous that I know Ruby will make a face about and then the audience will laugh because Ruby's like what are you doing like and that (laughs) dynamic is like the most fun bit so any bits of material that can give as much space for us to play on that sort of like dynamic is like what we really go for now which is really fun yeah it's like what's fun on stage is what's fun about hanging out with each other like bouncing bouncing off one another and like having different takes on the same thing yeah do you mess with each other when you're on stage do you subvert what you're talking about by throwing in an extra or or do you use in jokes do you play around things that the audience might not be aware of just for your own amusement (laughs) I don't know if we do that much what do you I don't yeah I guess like we must sometimes um like you know we we ad lib now and then and like mess with each other a bit but um yeah, no, I don't know how many. I think it's, it is so for it's. It's obviously it is so for the audience. So I think like that, like any kind of ad libs or messing around will be almost at the at the expense of the other one, rather than mm. and for the audience, rather than to 
make the the other one laugh like if that makes sense like I think I can think of examples where it is like the audience are responding well to something so then you're like sorry Ruby I'm just going to say this other thing as well now that <laughs> we didn't agree on like so there's there's a bit of that but I say less so I think more when we did sketches because mm. sketches were a bit more like removed from the audience anyway there was a bit more of an element of like doing it for each other or having little in jokes that weren't necessarily the audience wouldn't pick up on whereas I think now it's so to the audience that like any kind of messing with each other is always for their benefit I guess yeah like I guess we like yeah we make ad libs for the audience but it does feel like kind of a bonus if like I crack Rachel up <laughs> with something <laughs> like that like because you know we do say the same things on stage all the time so it is fun when one of you like breaks the mold and yeah sometimes yeah. I it's kind of nice because then it's like you know when like you ad lib something that really gets me I'm just kind of like with the audience for a bit like <laughs> yeah it's interesting as well because I think I do think there's because I was just thinking and actually again in our kids show we do jokes for each other all the time and we like mess with each other all the time and I think because there's such a clear structure, because again, because you're doing sketches, there's a really clear structure and you know what needs to happen. Um, so messing with each other is just additive. Whereas I think with, ad and particularly sets, I think we'd mess with each other more in shows. And like, once you get into the rhythm of Edinburgh, you end up messing around a lot more. But in like sets, because you're already competing with the fact that stand-ups can go wherever they want, according to the audience, because there's just one of them. Mm. Ruben and I haven't quite perfected telepathic communication yet. <laughs> Because you're so constantly communicating with each other anyway in terms of where you're taking a joke, what joke. It's like the more we've done it, we've tried to get looser and looser so that we know that each other can take it. You know, if, if one of us thinks that we need to go to a different joke now or try out a different story, the other one is very able to like go with them on that. And I think that delicate balance of the communication is so key that fucking with each other would almost be too like... It would it could throw us off too much because yeah. we're already sort of like trying to just read off what each other's saying and take it as it comes. Like mm. yeah, like in the kids show, one of us could like squirt some extra water at the other one, and that's funny. But in a set, we could really fuck with each other. And <laughs> <laughs> well, how um, how in sync are you when you're in the in the early stages of a process? How how much are you aware of what the other will appreciate uh, being suggested? Does one come up with an idea and then the other is, oh, I was thinking about that, or the opposite? We're definitely not doing that. I think we're shockingly in sync, personally. Yeah. Having having heard from other double acts, like the sort of struggles or the like fear of showing work to each other or like not necessarily being on the same page, like... We, I feel like in general, we both know when something isn't working and we both know when something is. I don't, I can't think of really any example where like there was a disagreement. I think very early doors, I wanted to call myself the gay messiah and Ruby was worried about the religious, like that being too far, like in terms of like blasphemy, I suppose. Um but obviously then, like, once we got more comfortable with performing and our show became more true to itself, then Ruby was like, oh, no, now it totally makes sense because you're giving a context as to why you're the gay messiah instead of just declaring it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, but, yeah, never has it been about, like, the 
quality or what's funny. It's only ever been, only ever have we, I think, ever had disagreements when I think those are the only examples when I've wanted to say something and Ruby's thought it was too far. And what we've now discovered is that what's funniest is me saying something that's too far and Ruby being horrified, <laughs> but doing that on stage and that and that being a part of the comedy, whereas we didn't have that technique early doors. So it was more like we just need to avoid it. Yeah, <laughs> though I would say something that I feel like I've noticed over the years with us writing is that if the two of us find something incredibly funny, that often means it is not going to work for other people. <laughs> like some of the little things that have made us like cry with laughter. Um, that's often a little indication that that's, um, that's for each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's hysterically funny to us, it's not funny to others. It has yeah. to just be like, <laughs> for us. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. we both need to go like, oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> Whereas if we're crying, we cannot ever say it on stage. That's <laughs> Do you keep things in despite the fact that it might not have played well to an audience? Do you keep them in because there is something that you just want to have just for you? Yeah, definitely. But I think generally it will be like, how can we make this work? Mm. Like we want it, we need it. How do we, how do we make this work? Um, or like, or you just do the sort of classic like comedy trick of saying that it's for us. <laughs> like there's a line in our show where I say, oh boy, is my mummy a daddy? And audiences frequently do not react. They just look slightly mildly concerned. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I love saying it. So I'm like, I will continue to say that. We've just, you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. And I guess we also like, we also do tend to gig for a real variety of audiences. So sometimes you'll hit on stuff that it's like, well, that's for those guys. <laughs> <laughs> what about sort of division of labor? Obviously, uh, Ruby, you're the musical one. <laughs> and uh, Rachel, you seem to be like the agent of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Do you write independently and then bring those ideas together? Do you write together? Ruby, do you have a song and then say, I want to add this in? Or Rachel might say, we've got a bit here, but it, it needs a song, for example. Yeah, I think sometimes it's, um, I don't, again, I think we're very in sync with it. Like we'll sort of work on the thing together. And then, like, Rachel will be like, now go and make that music. <laughs> <laughs> that is a key thing. Yeah, because um, yeah, I think the ideas will, will, like, separately be like, I'm finding this funny at the moment. This is, And then when we come and talk about it, if it sparks for both of us, then it's something that works for Shelf as, a, as, a, as us. Um, and then, yeah, and then it will sometimes be, like, especially with building a show, it will often be like, we need a song here. What what could that song be? What could that song look like? And like occasionally, like, and obviously like occasionally, like I'm just thinking like Lady in the Loo. Like Lady in the Loo was like, I just started singing like badly, but started singing like <laughs> Lady in the Loo. And it was just like a little like riff that then Ruby was like, that's actually could be really fun if we add some synth and make it like, a fucking 80s like theme tune bang a superhero style and so then it is that sort of it is that combination of talents and I think like yeah. we found especially especially from the like other writing work that we've done since that like we find each other really funny but we'll never have the same perspective on something so if you gave us like write us a joke about like chickens or something like that what you would get from both of us would be like completely different and like totally different style like Ruby's very like succinct and it will be like a like a, a a snappy witty 
dry joke and I'll just be rambling for like 10 minutes <laughs> but I guess like that sort of we like that kind of means that we don't step on each other's toes either when it comes to the writing and development because it's like mm. I couldn't I couldn't say the jokes that Ruby says and I don't think Ruby could say the jokes that I say so there's never a sort of oh I want to say that joke or I want to do that bit or like it's all it just very naturally sort of you know as you as you work on it together it's like well this is how that's gonna work I guess if that was even the answer to your question which I'm not sure it was towards the end (laughs) (laughs) amazing do Ruby do you have a take on that no, I mean, because I, I totally agree with that, that it's like we are completely different stand-ups. So it's like yeah. how things divide up on stage, like uh, splits very differently. Um, and in terms of division of labour, I think you'd be surprised at how good Rachel is at admin. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, behind the scenes, the background, we have like a, we have like a, hence why you only spoke to Ruby. Ruby's in charge of podcast emails and like organising those, whereas I'll do like, whatever I do, <laughs> which is lots, <laughs> I just can't remember off the top of my head. But like, it's like evenly split so that we know when emails come in, who's responsible for them. Because there was a period of time where we didn't do that and that was that was chaos. Um, but it's very clear sort of like roles of responsibility in terms of the admin side. Um, like I do our taxes. That's a surprise, isn't it? Yeah, just did that. <laughs> Or the deadline, if anyone's listening. Oh, yeah. This pod plays very big within um, revenue. <laughs> they love it. So you mentioned about your, your show, Teenage Man, which you're doing currently, and also the kids mm-hmm. show. What made you decide that you wanted to do specifically a kids show? I mean, obviously, it's hugely successful, winning the Leicester Comedy Best Kids Show last year. Well, we'd been, we'd been doing kids comedy like sets with comedy club for kids for ages since when was it ruby that must have been i think we did our first ones pre-covid yeah so that was like 2019 2018 even and like yeah and like as we said we used to do sketch comedy um and someone basically saw us do sketches and was like, i think it was beck hill was like have you have you guys considered doing comedy for children and at the time we went <laughs> We're actually incredibly edgy, alternative, queer sketch comedy double act. There's absolutely no way we could do comedy for children. It would go way over their heads and probably, like, parents would make complaints. Like, they're just too edgy and cool for that. And then um, it was like, oh, the gigs are paid. And we were like, well, I mean, we could try. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's two of us. We've got to make double the money if we want to survive. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so then we had to go at a kid comedy yeah one of the comedy club for kids uh shows and just like did our sketches did like a few sketches and like literally basically unchanged we just sort of played off the children more Hmm. and they went down brilliantly and not only did they go down brilliantly but we had so much fun and I think the minute we did it we were both like oh a we've loved this but b like we were both like how can we make this better like how can we improve what we're doing for kids and so we spent which was tricky because then we obviously had lockdown but I'd say before lockdown and then for the year after lockdown when the kids' gigs came back, we were just honing what children, trying to understand a child audience in comparison to an adult one because we'd come up with ideas and be like, kids are going to love this. And neither of us at the time were around children of any kind. So I went and did the gig and then children would just stare at us blankly and you'd be like, oh, that's, not, that's not what I was expecting you to react with. 
And I think the fact that both of us were so like eager to get it right and eager to work it out showed that it obviously mattered to us in some way or there was like some, do you know what I mean? Like we just both just were like, oh, let's try and get this. And then once we'd got it, I feel like we do have such a good formula for children's comedy now. Like we really, you know, and we've started doing stuff that's more improvised with them. And it's really showed how much we can just like feed off of them now and know how to play in our dynamic. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where it started. And then um, and then after doing that for a while, we were like, let's do a full show. We've got loads of sketches, we've got loads of material. Children, some for some reason, are richer than adults are. So <laughs> they can't go to stop alone, you know. So you've sort of got like <laughs> two guaranteed tickets at least for every yeah. child. Um, but yeah, we were like, when we were gonna, when we were thinking about Edinburgh the year after Hair, mm. um, we were like, maybe it would be really fun to like just go up and like do something for children. Like we have so much fun doing that. Yeah. Um, and then we were like, you know if we're there we should also like we're there we should do a show for adults as well it's wild <laughs> not to. Uh, and it was I think I would definitely say that funnest Edinburgh we've had really like doing the kids show in the afternoon and then going over to do a adult comedy mm. in the late afternoon yeah, and as Ruby mentioned I mean as a double act it also just is financially essential because yeah. like you know we do a show and you get paid you get the same amount of revenue as a stand-up would get but that's now going into two of our incomes or like our abilities to live so the best way to combat that and hence why with this tour now we're doing both the kids show and the adult show is just if we're going to a place anyway being able to to try and double our ticket sales with two possibly quite different audiences so you can reach you know different numbers of people feels like the only way to make it financially viable for us um as well um what about your edinburgh experience as a whole of the city of the people of the other acts of the bureaucracy and cost and all the rest of it oh well i mean i was gonna say like the standard like uh pretty much everything about it is great we always have a really good time but the cost is mm. what it is and but as you were gonna say i assume the last one I think that's you, Rachel. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> um, no, 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 that wasn't what I was going to say at all. I wasn't going to talk about the. I wasn't talking about the cost. Oh. Um, last year's Edinburgh, twenty twenty three Edinburgh, we the cost is crazy, and so we were living in a like student accommodation outside of Edinburgh. And that gave us a very different experience to the 2022 one, where, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but it was like we weren't really in Edinburgh in the same way that we had been. Like, I think in 2022, it was like our debut show and like we were like very much like, you know, we were closer to we were closer in and you just like you lived and breathed the festival like you were like doing the show, doing spots, seeing people, you know, seeing other comedians. Whereas like I cycled in and out every day, which took like half an hour there and back. Ruby had to get the last train. So it was like a weird kind of like, it was like we were commuting. And because our kids show was at what one and our adult show was at three, it meant that we were kind of doing like a nine to five. We were doing this <laughs> weird sort of like, we'd get in at like 12 or 11 to start like 
setting up for the kids show and then we'd be done by like five or six and because the kids show is such like it's so physical it's so active and responding to the kids takes so much energy and you could you could blast through into the adult show off of that energy because you still had the adrenaline height but then after the adult show you'd just crash and then we both got really ill so we essentially just would go home <laughs> we'd be like well home we go <laughs> I feel like that was yeah that was like the main characterization of Edinburgh last year for me I was terribly unwell <laughs> he was particularly ill <laughs> and then like yeah Rachel had a bike accident oh, we were not doing physically well <laughs> physically we didn't do well but emotionally we're actually very good <laughs> yeah much better than the year before so yeah. That's saying something. Um, so yeah, so I think it was it was a really different experience for us. But I think particularly doing two shows and kind of why we wanted to do it. Whereas I think in that the year before it was like yeah we want to like hustle and meet people. And whereas I think this that last year it was kind of like the kids show and then we did our adult show on the free fringe of Voodoo Rooms. So we just kind of felt slightly outside the usual sort of bubble of it. Like we were kind of like, well, we're, you know, it's a free show, voodoo rooms, like it's kind of a different audience, the kind of classic Pleasance Courtyard. You get less industry just by, by virtue of not being on at the courtyard. So like we kind of didn't really feel in the same, like in the same kind of bubble. And, actually, and you just were focused on like enjoying the shows and doing them as well as you could. And that was actually really quite free. Yeah, yeah that's nice. You mentioned there about in Among Doing the Shows, you saw some other shows. Do you watch other comic acts still? And if so, are you able to watch them as audience members or do you watch them as comedians? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, think I do go see less stuff now, um, probably because of that, <laughs> that you kind of can't really switch off yeah. exactly and you're like watching it in a bit of a different way. Um, and also, you know, when you're gigging, you just get to see stuff all the time anyway. Um, like, you know, you see your favorite comedians do sets a few times a week, generally, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, but yeah, I saw some really good stuff in Edinburgh. Um, Jody Mitchell's show was probably my personal fave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I it was I yeah, I think like especially like seeing like stand up friends, like saw like Olga and Jody and Sarah Keyworth and, and like Sophie Duke or someone like that, like people like that. You watch them and you can kind of, I feel like I kind of can switch off because it is a different beast doing stand-up than it is doing a double act necessarily. Um, although there's obviously there's loads of similarities and there's lots of techniques that you kind of, like sometimes someone will say something, and particularly comedians from a similar sort of demographic or background to us mm. were saying similar things. You are sometimes like, oh, that's the right way to put that. That's really well done. Um, I'd say overall... It's, you know, it is just, it is really fun still watching comedy. But I did this Edinburgh find myself watching way more like clown or like theatre stuff. Mm. Um, and I quite like that as like a completely different, I mean, clown is actually fairly similar to what we were doing for children, um, but like a slightly different kind of vibe of performance as opposed to just comedy the whole time. Yeah. Also, I've mentioned about your winning at Leicester last year, and but also you've had other nominations like Sketchfest. How do you feel about awards and competitions? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's question answered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think like the show awards, 
make sense, yeah. make more sense. Yeah. Comedy competitions right. just I mean, every final we've ever been in, we've been like the worst gig we've ever done somehow. <laughs> like it just is just like the like the, especially early doors, they they said stuff to us like you can't ad lib, like you need to like be like the comedy needs to just be the comedy, like let and it was kind of like, well, hey, our ad libs are all, especially at that point, all our ad libs were scripted anyway. So we were like, what are you talking? And also, it was just like, it was, it was so counterintuitive to what audiences were responding to. Yeah. And so it was like, like, I think we were kind of early days kind of burned by that. And just, it kind of just didn't, we were like, whoa. And yeah. then so many comedy competitions are for stand ups only. So that yeah. kind of was an, an, an added sort of. Thing. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it that it's like all of the competitions that there are like we don't really fit that neatly into because it was like you know if we do a stand-up competition where we have like five minutes like we don't it doesn't really work for us and then like if we did a sketch competition we always had that kind of stand-up edge to us anyway which they thought was us ad-libbing which it wasn't but you know like and then if we do a music thing we also kind of have that stand-up edge to us like we're both equally musically talented <laughs> but you know we still have that stand-up side to us so that isn't quite right either so I guess yeah it's I mean that, but... musical comedy wise the issue is me <laughs> musical comedy is quite happy to have a stand-up edge it's the it's the fact that one of us is tone deaf that makes that whole like why why are you there um <laughs> but the show awards yeah the show awards made more sense and like winning the um Leicester kids one was like that was so nice <laughs> yeah I did feel really good and I think the show ones in general like obviously like the Edinburgh show awards are like a a, a, a hot topic and you know there are pros and cons and there are issues with them in many ways but I do think that like if you need to have awards and I understand how awards help, like having the kids comedy award for us is super useful. It's just like a seal of approval hmm. for parents um, to, to take a chance on the show. So we're incredibly grateful for that. And we understand the use of it. And it does feel like if you're going to have awards of some kind, awards on shows make way more sense than like a comedy competition, like a weird sort of gladiator, gladiator battle of comedians just doesn't hmm. make any sense to me. Yeah. You've talked somewhat about obviously scripting and, and ad-libbing. How much room do you leave in a in a finished show for that sort of improvisation and bouncing off of audience interaction? Yeah, I guess like there's always some space for it because I think that's generally when we're on our best form, like when we're having fun and like making little extra jokes. And mm. um, we find that the length of our stuff can vary wildly depending on the audience. So yeah, it's good <laughs> to leave a little room. Yeah, like we'll generally have places which we know are like, are slightly open and we know that that's like an open bit. And then there are other bits that we know only work if we do them with the with that, with that rhythm and that energy and say those right things um so yeah we'll, we'll always there'll always be bits in the show where we know if an audience is particularly like lively or fun we can play with them in that moment and then it won't ruin the other bits that actually need to be said in a certain way or like mm. get, getting across in one way or something yeah what about subjects for material are you been talking about you talk more about yourselves and obviously your own lives and naturally you have to talk about what you know you talk about uh, things like sexuality, gender, mental health, 
Are you mindful of the topics of conversation that you that you introduce? Are there are there key issues that you want to address, and do you address them as issues or just things that you know about? We we try as much as possible not to address them as issues. Yeah. Like I think particularly with all of the gender, sexuality, mental health, they're all so like they're all so subjective, and different people's experiences will always be different. And like part of the benefit of being a double act is that, and part of what we you know, especially with teenage men trying to do as much as possible is going, we're often presented a like homogenous view of like being non-binary or being queer or anything like that. And the reality is Ruby and I look very much like the same, like little flavor of little boy or something, (laughs) but like our experiences are like totally different. And it's really nice that as a double act, we get to sort of represent that and show that when we're, when we're talking about different things. So we can talk about like, how gendering impacts us both, how we feel about certain things. And that, and I think that's making it not an issue and making it more like a funny, you know, insight into our friendship mm. where you just happens to be about those things feels like, you know, how we want to do it. Yeah, definitely. And I think like sort of almost like ambiently showing people like queerness and like that kind of thing. And I feel like that, um, yeah I like what how that works for audiences and I mean for kids definitely it means that they just like see some queer people doing things without being told anything about like what that means or who we are or whatever they're just like those guys are fun <laughs> um and actually I think it's the same for adults as well like <laughs> um we did a like sort of central London like gig just before Christmas and there was like do you remember that guy who came up afterwards and he was just like, I don't know anything about you people, but I loved that. And, like, <laughs> and I feel like I learned a lot. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> when you started, when you did uh, decide you were going to do comedy as a duo for the first time and going out in front of your first audience and similarly doing uh, a kids show for the first time, which you alluded to a little bit earlier about like, this wasn't something that was on the agenda. Do you get did you get nervous? Did you get anxiety? Do you still get nervous about doing shows? And do you find comfort in company since there are the two of you? I think early doors, absolutely. Like our first shows, I would be backstage retching. Like <laughs> I absolutely was like nervous beyond belief. Hmm. Um yeah, I think actually weirdly, early doors, Ruby and I it's kind of like it's a benefit and a negative, but like we there's obviously the support, but we were we were scared of the opposite things. <laughs> yeah. Do you agree? With me? I, would... I was going to say because I used to have that thing where, like, you know, Rachel would be like throwing up, and I used to get terrified about um, walking on stage and having to like move or adjust the mic because I was so scared I was going to like knock it over and like fucking kill someone in the front <laughs> row or something. And so then Rachel would do that for me, which. Was... <laughs> 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 But I think, like, especially early doors, we would get, like, like I would be very much, like, confident and be like, yeah, let's take that gig, let's take that gig, we'll do that, we'll do that. And then it would come to the gigs and I'd be like, I don't want to do it, I can't do it. And then Ruby would feel, I think you generally tend to be less nervous yeah. when you're actually there right before the gig happened. That's true. In the days leading up to the gig, we would be like, it's a terrible mistake. We shouldn't be doing that gig. I actually, I've got bad vibes about that. I read somewhere that actually at that gig, they're horrible and they're going to hate us and be really mean and throw things, I think, probably. That's just what I'm assuming. So it was like, actually, in the very early days, by being together, we created a sort of hideous conglomerate where we were 
terrified one of us was terrified 100 percent of the time <laughs> um, but obviously i guess the upside of that was i meant that we did the gig like i was like we're taking the gig we're going to go and do that gig where ruby's fear would have held them back yeah. and then once we got to the gig ruby was the one who was like we're going to get on stage you're going to move that microphone and we're going to do this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. Like we sort of uh, both took turns steering the ship. <laughs> yeah, um, and then I'd say now, like obviously, big gigs and like when you haven't gigged for a while, the nerves are still there, but nowhere near what they were. Like not even like a fraction. Like it's quite pleasant now being a bit nervous. Like remembering yeah. what you can feel. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's nice not to be so actively terrified. And I'm like very chill about adjusting mic stands now. So, you know, you can, you can really grow in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, what are the, apart from how to safely adjust the microphone stand, what are the other key lessons that you've learned so far? What philosophies have you developed? I think, I think early doors, our philosophy was just say yes which we have since had to stop because it becomes completely untenable for living your life. And you're like, why are we doing this, you know, gig on a boat in Isle of Wight for five pounds? Why are we here? <laughs> um, so like, I think, but I think early doors, the less you sort of second guess yourself or overthink it. And you just, when you're just trying to like, you know, I think a lot of the time we would be like, Oh, this gig probably isn't for us because it's all stand-ups and then it's us or like this gig isn't really for like however we kind of you can sort of talk your way out of doing stuff quite quickly or kind of make excuses as to why it's not worth doing but some of the most random gigs that we've done have ended up leading into like friendships or dynamics or other opportunities that have really shaped what we are now and how we operate now like one of our earliest gigs, remember we did half an hour in South End with <laughs> the guys from who were in Giraffe. And it was hor it went terribly. It was horrible. To be fair, they didn't they didn't hate Ruby. They actually quite laughed at stuff Ruby did. They hated me. <laughs> and we were like, this was terrible. Why have we done this? But actually, like the friends we made from doing that and the fact that we'd done our first half an hour, like, really like pushed us into like assessing why that hadn't worked and what we couldn't weren't yet good enough at and what we needed to work on um yeah. so that I think that was a huge one and I think that works outside of comedy as well like I think if you're tackling trying something new just say yes just like just takes the sort of thinking bit out so you just do it and then you see how you feel later yeah and I think that's like kind of attached to that is like adapting and like you know sort of working out what works for you and then like leaning into that like being willing to like change as things change because like it does like the way you do comedy or the way that people respond to your comedy like what you want to do exactly um and yeah being like willing to adapt to that has always been like really important to us I think because of as we always said when the fun stops <laughs> stop <laughs> no I think that's such a good point and like a great example of that is like after co before COVID, we never used microphones. So Ruby's fear around microphones was literally just moving it off the stage. <laughs> um, and, then, <laughs> and then once we came back after COVID, all of the gigs were obviously like socially distanced and would be in much bigger spaces, but with audiences distance. And it was suddenly like, we actually can't do this without a microphone 
um which I imagine for you Ruby must have been horrifying to begin with terrible yeah terrible <laughs> <was> my nemesis <laughs> um and then because we knew we needed to use microphones we then that's when we started adapting a lot of our sketches into songs and changing the style of comedy and leaning more into doing more and more of the patter because you couldn't do the sketches with a microphone but you could do a song with microphones and you could do your act with microphones so it was like yeah being able and ready to adapt what we did to sort of what we needed to do if that makes sense yeah what about objectives do you set yourself targets of uh, i want to play this venue or i want to be on this lineup i want to perform with this person do you have those kind of targets i don't know i've had a long-term target for like ages which is just <laughs> i want to be in a place where i can get a dog <laughs> that's why i was already <laughs> laughing i was like at yeah, the dog this has been my targets not since we began but i'd say since we were however long into doing it it was like because for ages I was like working like sort of like a, doing like a like comedy directing writing job alongside it which was full time which meant going into an office and then slowly I was going like I just need to get to a point where the comedy is earning enough but I don't need to go into an office so then I can and it, it's interesting because it's obviously seemingly unrelated to comedy but I think it's sort of it's about having control over your your lifestyle being self-employed in that way but also earning enough that you can live in a place where you can have a dog and you can all that kind of all those kind of things tether in so that's yeah. been a long-term big goal um we're basically just here to fund Rachel's dog habit just uh, <laughs> oh, I just want one and I was so close we're finally in a place where we can and then my land so said no it's so gutting so good we'll get him we'll get him uh, adorably I am um, Oh, I mean, not so adorably. I almost lost all of my like iPhone data, but I found like a list of targets we must have made in like 2016 or something like that. And it's just like email some agents, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, like really cute. And uh, so, yeah, that was very nice to see. And I guess like now, yeah, the goals have become more like writing focused and like sort of leveling up in that kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think that there were any particular milestones that we wanted to hit were there yeah I guess that there was like the agent thing like we were like you know we wanted to we wanted to get that but and I guess this is sort of nice about the like, adaptability thing I don't think we were ever like we will do this yeah. <laughs> and we will do everything to get that we've kind of rolled with the um the nice punches yeah it's, it's and then it means that stuff that you do get is such a like like we were really excited when we first got Soho Theatre after the after hair in 2022 like that like and that felt like a real like we were like yeah um and that felt really good but it had never been like yeah we've never had like a set goal in mind of like where we want to take comedy we just like enjoy doing it it's fantastic to be paid to do something like this it's also so great to like work together on it and so you have that camaraderie and when things aren't going so well, you have the support of each other. You can run emails by each other. That is like, oof, good Lord, that is the best thing. Um, <laughs> and like, I think that, and, and then like, you know, like a lot of my friends who work in offices talk about their colleagues and being like, Susan's fucking shit doesn't do anything. And I'm like, Ruby is really pulling their weight, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no need for HR here, thank God. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think it's just it's just always just been keep having fun with it, see where we can take it. 
And I think that that say yes comboed with the keep having fun is what then takes you in the directions that leads into the stuff like doing more of the kids stuff now. And like, and as I say, obviously always knowing that we, that was a big reason why the agent was so key to us is we were like, we want to know how we can translate this into writing and doing more writing work. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so it was always, that was kind of part of the goal. Um, But yeah, it's nice because it means everything that happens is a treat, a bonus. (laughs) (laughs) So what so far then have been the best and worst experiences that you've had in comedy? First, I mean, like, yep, doing Soho, like you said, the, the first time mm-hmm. we got that offer, that was like, that was great. And we had such a fun time doing it, um, like starting to like getting that first TV writing credits. That's been that's felt really, really good. Um, it's also been really fun that we've just very recently got on a load of gigs in Northern Europe. Like for some reason, like so we were like did like last year we did Norway and Finland. Um and that was like and then now we're like we should be doing Iceland this year. And like that's sick as well. Cause like again, it's like if I was doing this as a stand-up, like I remember when we were going to Norway to do our full show, and I was like, I get really bad travel anxiety anyway. Like the I I've got such a terrible sense of time that like I have no concept of how if, if a train's at 2.30, I'm like, what does that mean? When do I need to leave? <laughs> like it's really stressed. So like planes are like the fucking big version of that. And I was like, if I was a stand-up doing a gig in Norway, it would be like, this is really exciting. I love this. But it would the whole thing would be tinged the entire time by the anxiety of not just what is this audience going to be like, what is this going to look like? But also, will I get that plane on time? How on earth will I get from that airport to that? And like when we did Finland, there was like six trains that we had to get. And they were all the last train that we could get. And he did it on no sleep because we'd had like a six, like 5 a.m. flight. And I was like, if I was alone, I'd just be crying this whole journey. (laughs) And so the, the excitement of the achievement would be still incredible, but it would be wrapped up in so much fear and worry that it would somewhat probably take away from that. Whereas what actually happened is it was obviously me and Ruby and then my brother usually does our tech and did our tech for hair and stuff. So he was with us as well. So then you've got the achievement of doing a show abroad with the fun of travelling with people who can reassure you that you're going to get the train on time. It was just like, oh, this this is great. So I think that felt like such a like, oh, that for me felt like such a like best moment because it was like the achievement of getting that kind of thing and being in hotels and having free breakfast, but getting to do that with friends rather than alone. Yeah, no, that was so good. Like we we really do make a, we make a trip of it when we get to go somewhere and like, yeah, that was incredible because like there were places that like, especially I like would have loved to see and I don't know if I would have like gone otherwise and so yeah it's that's so amazing to get to do that stuff and as for worst we basically did I do think the worst will forever we did a gig at festival when we were very early doors and they get I I basically messaged them lying and I said that our double act started at festival and we loved festival and we've been going for years and we were best friends and blah 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 (laughs) and we had we'd been doing comedy less than a year at this point like Mm. no time at all and then they came back and they were like, we love your story. We'd love to put you on like the like whatever stage it was for an hour. And we were like, we don't have an hour's worth of material. But I was like, I really want to go to festival. We're just saying yes. So we're saying yes. 
um and we went and it was just like oh it was it was like it was one of those where you're just like struggling through because we just made up material to do specially for it we were kind of just like we didn't know where we were I still have dreams about that gig and we were just sort of but on the plus side that was uh, it was that gig that I got heckled that someone said Rachel show us your tits and that became like a real like cornerstone of our first show hair so in that sense it still gave us something um but I say yes it was worth it 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 was like truly in fact there was a couple of other festival gigs I got us that year which were unhinged they were unhinged yeah that the there's this one drum and bass festival we went to where everyone was a 14 and b on ketamine um (laughs) <laughs> but that was wild but yeah that festival gig I think well, the performance itself went better didn't it it uh, did yeah that was a better gig yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think I'd almost blocked out that festival one I remember I was so I was like so anxious during that gig that I kept scratching at my hand like that and when we came off I realized that I had been like visibly bleeding throughout throughout the set so everyone who was watching had just been sitting there watching like me bleed out and Rachel have a quiet panic attack <laughs> it was crazy and then we just got absolutely smashed at festival it's also so funny as well because like I got this gig specifically so that we could enjoy festival and but we were performing on the Sunday and so we went on the Thursday or something didn't drink didn't see anything just walked around the festival anxious about doing this one fucking like it was like this was so as I say still worth it still glad we did it but it was like this is crazy (laughs) so how can anyone find out about you and about where to come and see you perform well uh, Rachel just made a very beautiful website which (laughs) which you've got to check out that's (laughs) shelfcomedy.com and then we're at shelf comedy on social media on all of them yeah, and uh, yeah, we're we're on tour, so please yeah, on tour from February, which is <laughs> shockingly soon. <laughs> <laughs> and so, my final question then: How would you individually or collectively <laughs> sum up comedy in a nutshell? I'll go with saying yes, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go with adapting. <laughs> <laughs> you want to uh, explain? No, that's that's it. You said it's a tiny, tiny nutshell. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for having us on. This is a, such a nice podcast. No, cheers. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun.